Economic Update presented by Global Wealth Club's Stephen Pettith and Edward Black. Welcome, Stephen. <laughs> all right. So, first of all, welcome to week 78, 79. I think it's week 78. Wow. Can you believe this has been going on for over a year? That's a little bit scary. So, What's uh, yeah. It is. It's very good. So obviously I'm the host for tonight. I'm filling in for Ed while he's over in Thailand. Oh, we've just been told it's actually week 79. We lost a week there. So ladies and gentlemen uh, in the attendees list, thank you for joining us for today. Stephen, again, thank you for joining us once again for to give us your insight, your knowledge, um, and just your general expertise. Um, so we do have some amazing topics and welcome. You're looking swire, Steve. And I've got a haircut today. I know. I, you know. I just loaded mine with gel to like hide the fact that I've got a bald patch coming up in the back here. <laughs> it's one of those things I finally admitted is is finally falling out. And I was like, yeah, okay, I admit it. So yeah, <sighs> scary. It, it, it just, just go with it, mate. Go with it. Uh, it's it's okay. called signs of wisdom. That's like the when I've got the beard, I get grey hairs now as well. So it's wisdom. It's wisdom, pure wisdom. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So let, how about we get into it? Because I know you've got a, um, for the syndicate people, we do have an update tonight as well after this one. So how about we just jump straight in? Uh, so the first topics, obviously, we want uh, Australian economy to kick off on the start and the Australian news. This is kind of like more of a political one than anything, but it actually has very, very far-reaching consequences. So this is... Um, uh, ben Roberts Smith case. Um, it's a disgrace of veterans. Yeah. And what, knowing what's happened to him and with the defamation, because you got to remember there was no no charges laid for this one. What? Do you, why would anyone in their right mind serve in the Australian military when they treat their soldiers this way? Well, you, well, pretty much as a volunteer force. What you're saying to your volunteer force is we don't care about you. Um, you can go perform acts of valor, whatever, uh, and we're going to treat you like shit. Um, and that's that's the biggest problem, you know. So, and this is why it doesn't work with what they're trying to do with AUKUS, with the expansion of, you know, the Blue Water Navy, with the drone programs, um, with the Air Force program, the missile program, sorry, in the Air Force programs. Um, well, you need people to serve. Right? You need people to volunteer to serve to fill the position. But at the same time, you've got the heads of the military, right? Angus Houston and, and all his cronies, actively out there trying to take medals and acts of valour away from people for stuff that he approved. Mm. You know, remember that as the head of the Air Force, or, or uh, he was head of the Air Force, I think, at the time, um, and I think he may have been special operations. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. As the heads of the military, they approve this conduct. Mm. So if anyone should have their medal stripped or if anyone should have anything, it should be them first. They should jump in front of this and say, no, right, mm. we did this. We are, are, are the head of the snake, right? It's, it's our fault, but they're not. They're, they're just absolutely slaying everyone one belong. And it's a, it's an absolute joke. Uh, most of these guys that are now generals and, and running the, the armed forces, yeah, they may have been in action at some point in time, but 
you know, they make all these decisions from comfy offices and go home every night. They're not in the field. They don't know what these guys were going through. And when you hear what some of these guys were going through, man, it's a shit job. Mm. Why, you know, why we're treating them like this is just disgraceful. Um, it harks back to how we treated the Vietnam vets um, and goes even further back to how we treated the guys um, that, that went and helped, you know, with the Boer War and the First World War. Um, it always reminds me to the Afghan files where um, Hasty was, I think he was a captain of the SAS at the time, and yeah. it was a situation where they were cutting hands off the victims because they were under heavy fire and the rules of engagements were photo of the face, a hand sample, and a scan of their hand. They just don't have time, so they did the best thing that they could. Even in that situation, they took it to the military lawyers and they were cleared. It, they were just following instructions. And I know there's been other cases like this, but they've raised concerns. They got it cleared. What else do you expect from the troops? So it's not the That's troops' fault in this situation. Not, not the troops' faults, but the troops are always the first ones to get hung out to dry. Um, yeah, and it's just absolutely wrong. Um, a, a true leader uh, and a true head of the Defence Force would come out and support his troops and say, you know, if anyone's going to lose my medal, here's mine first um, mm. because I was in charge. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I just, the thing that I look at on a global scale, especially for the military, especially with everything that's going on globally at the moment, you look at all the countries with really strong militaries and they're the ones that are most likely to survive a catastrophe, whether it's an economic or there's a war. So I don't understand why the Australian government is going targeting the military so severely with this especially with when AI comes into play as well it's with drones, drone strikes and all that sort of stuff, you still need human oversight on these things. Like AIs don't make things amazing, but you need the human oversight. What do you think their end game is with all of this? A, a lot of it is is um, they're trying to play politician, right? So, so once you become a flag officer, you know, someone basically at the top of the tree, you stop becoming an, uh, a polit you stop becoming an, an officer looking after troops and you become a politician. And most of these guys are setting up what their next career move is, you know, who they're going to go work for, you know, which major corporation or are they going to get into politics? And, and that's what, what they're all doing. They're feathering out their own nest and they're making sure that they're, they're clean when they go through it. But what they don't realise is, you know, especially if they go into politics, this will be hung over them. You know, mm -hmm. politicians are out there a lot smarter than these guys. Um, and we're a lot smarter than what these guys have ever been when it comes to this dirty fighting, you know, uh, tactics. Um, they wish they would, were back in Afghanistan or something like that, getting properly shot at. Um, and um, so a, a lot of it's just coming down to um, they, once again, it's this bubble thing. You know, politicians think Twitter's real, right? The, the military, uh, you know, think that, you know, the whole world revolves around, you know, what, what what's been published out there uh and and, the, and once again the twitter pods a lot of this has all been driven by by the twitter pods well we know 80 percent of everything everything on twitter is ai generated it's all mm. bots so if you believe in twitter you're a fool uh, if you believe in anything that's, that's generated on twitter you're a fool you know seems, so to me it seems like they've got too much attention in their own backyards rather than looking at the grand scheme of things so oh, this 100%. is a 
Yeah. I was going to say this is a good transition into the next one. The next one that's happening in Australia is uh, talking about Nibianism, so not in my backyard. Uh, so the state government is actually making moves to remove building permits authority away from the state councils. Um, I know from myself with my involvement in politics, I actually hate to say I think this is a good thing because most councils have no idea what they're doing. So as a businessman yourself, how, how would you feel about this one then? Oh, this is perfect. Um, hmm. I've started to hear the rumbles. Oh, God, I'm bleeding. Um, I've, had, I've started to see the rumbles of this uh, in the halls of, um, of some of the state politicians who are going, you know, uh, councils are working to undermine uh, what state governments want. Uh, and and remember, remember, at the end of the day, Australia is a federation of states, right? Mm-hmm. And if you run by our constitution, the states have all the power, right? Regardless of what everyone thinks about states and all that sort of stuff. And once again, anyone who thinks we're going to abolish the state, you're a fucking idiot. Go read our constitution, right? And it's as simple as that. Um, the, the one level of government we should be abolishing or making a lot smaller is federal governments followed by, by councils. Council is just a delivery arm of um, uh, of the state government. Now, what's happening is is councils are being taken over by the Greens and are being taken over by people who don't want any development. But they're also the people that turn around and say, um, we want a lower cost of living, lower the housing, lower this, lower that. But they're the ones who are actually at the problem. Um, so state government getting some balls um, the first state government, I think, that's going to do this is New South Wales. Um, they, there is a, a massive, um, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, a, a massive divide already between councils and state government in New South Wales. Uh, and a lot of stuff that, that some councils do in New South Wales is purely 100%. What it, if, um, if the state government says sky's blue, they'll say, no, 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 it's white right, or green or whatever it is, um, just purely out of spite. So I think New South Wales will be the first to do it, but I've, I've heard a lot of this coming out of uh, South Australia, mm-hmm. um, Queensland, uh, and uh, WA. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, it's quite... Yeah, I know Mark McGowan, before he stood down, had actually started drafting a bill to remove the approval process in WA, um, but I don't know what's happened from that point. I haven't been able to find any more further information on it. But we've seen, especially in WA, how powerful some of these councils have actually become where they're starting to remove Australia Day celebrations. They're changing approval processes. Um, Road 8 Highway in WA, they actually managed through their lobbying to be able to get a whole highway cancelled. How far do you think this is going to stretch? Do you think it will actually go Australia-wide or do you think this will just be localised in, say, Brisbane, Adelaide uh, and Perth? No, no, I think um, if it gets traction, uh, it'll go Australia-wide. And and the reason I say that is because we've got um, the one state, basically we've got the one party across all states, right? Um, Tasmania is the libs at the moment, but the libs down there are closer to to Labor than, than anything. So... We're pretty much, once it starts, it'll go. Um, and it, and it, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy because politicians, once they smell power, right, and they can go, oh, Jesus, we can get this back, right? And um, they, they will start taking it all back. Um, there's a big cry here in Queensland, has been for a while, that because we've got, um, Queensland's weird. In some places, we've got mega councils, like the Gold Coast. 
So the Gold Coast, um, the Gold Coast city budget is bigger than I think a few um, state governments' budgets. Right, that's that's how big the, the council is. So it's a mega council, and we've got two or three of them um, here in Queensland. So the um, um, what what will happen is that once the the government, the state governments realise that hey, we we can curb their political power, um, that they will start this and, and force them back to road tracks rubbish. Man, the the council here on the Gold Coast, pretty much every department that that is in um, in state government, they've got a similar one here in council. You know, they've got an office of tourism, they've got an office of um, in industry and development, an office of education, an office of this, an office of that. It's like, hang on a minute, no, councils, have a look at your charter. It's roads, rates and rubbish, right? Look after the parks, make sure the roads are, are nice, make sure the, the rubbish is collected, right? A lot of the planning schemes that councils put up are actually invalid under the state planning scheme, right? Because they, they don't they don't match and and, and marry, and that's that's why we have uh, all this problem with uh, with the NIMBYs winning, and then the environment courts and that not standing up. And and I don't know why they put environment and planning courts in in the same um, same same bucket, which is, it's always been a stupid. Um, stupid court system that one, but anyway. Um, but once they they um, once they realise they can get the power, they can get planning through quicker. Because to meet anywhere near the housing demand that we've got coming in the next couple of years, you're going to have to reduce the planning approvals from um, what uh, most of them on average three years. You're going to have to reduce that to under twelve months. Right. Uh, or otherwise we're going to have no developer out there developing anything. The other thing is, is what the NIMBYs are really doing is stopping infield, brownfield development. Hmm. If we want to make, make our cities livable, right, we've got to densify up. If you have a look at most cities around the world, especially in Europe, the US, um, their inner city areas are three and four storeys hmm. everywhere, Right. Um, you know, and that's that's why you can have a city like Paris, with its population in that that is like three. So Paris's population is uh, twice the population of of Melbourne city, but Paris is smaller than Melbourne in its footprint, yeah. and that's because of how dense it is, right? And and that's that's what we've got to come up with here. Now, is that going to happen in places like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne? Off the bat, no. Where I see this, this densification happening is, and I, I was listening to a really good uh, demographer um, in a podcast today. Um, uh, that's what I do when I drive around. I, I love listening to these, these podcasts from these guys. That um, uh, semi-rural cities with very good airports or train connectivity to the major hub are where we can have the best... Um, uh, sort of best densification so we can actually make them a satellite city of, of you know, so, so for instance um, uh, so like just, Townsville and Queensland yeah Townsville and Queensland um, Newcastle to Sydney mm. Wollongong to Sydney uh, mm. all that sort of stuff so uh, once we get that sorted out 
um, I think we can have uh, a greater um, density and uh, availability. Hmm. Okay. Just out of curiosity, because I know this has come up in one of your other videos as well. Do you think the the NIMBYs are going to really push back against the Aboriginal Heritage Act, knowing how hard that's going to make the approval process on top of that? Or do you think the state government's going to step in and just say, no, this is going ahead and just absolutely turn everything to a shit show? No, I think the, the, the NIMBYs that, that have the biggest voice on this uh, aren't going to be worried about it because they mm -hmm. think it, oh, that's just miners and, and farmers and they don't care about miners and farmers. Um, so that is, um, uh, you know, that's, um, that, that's sort of not something that they really care about and it's an Indigenous. So they're going to sort of going to fall on the Indigenous side. Um, the, the, the NIMBYs in the rural and remote areas where this is really going to affect, uh, they're going to be against it. Uh, that, that's for sure, because it is going to encroach on, on their power and, and what they can do. Okay, awesome. Um, so just talking about what people are doing with their own homes, uh, it looks like working from home is a new home wrecker or a new work wrecker. Uh, it's yeah. becoming a bit of a battleground by the looks of it. Uh, Commonwealth Bank is ordering the workers back to the office and even Elon Musk is calling work from home now immoral. What's your thoughts on that? What's What have you been seeing on the business side of things? So, and, and this goes basically follows what, what we've been talking about where, where we need to really rethink our cities and have a look at what what we can do and how we can densify and, and make our cities um, better uh, for um, for both workers and um, uh, and, and and businesses um, the Elon Musk thing is is quite interesting because basically what he said is his workers can't work from home because they can't build a car or a mm -hmm. rocket um, or, or bore a tunnel um, from their home, right? So what he's saying is if, if blue-collar people have to go to a job, hmm. white-collar people should too, right? If you want equity and fairness and all this sort of stuff, well, it's got to apply to everything, and that's his argument, right? But this is the, one of the problems we've got with all these people is that they only want equity and fairness when it benefits them. They don't want equity and fairness that benefits society as a whole, right? So it's an individualist thing. And I know this sounds really strange, but um, communism really um, picks on that individual, um, individual uh, identity. I, 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 I'm, I'm an individual, right? Hmm. But what happens is, is the individual falls to the lowest common denominator, right? So everyone, so as an individual to get this equity and fairness that suits that individual, what happens is society slides to the lowest common denominator um, where everyone can be the same. And then what they realize is, oh shit, we push for the wrong thing, which is what happened, which is what happened, you know, happened in Cuba, happened in Venezuela, it's happened, China, that's happening, you know, or basically anywhere where there's been communism, um, they all went fighting for, you know, we want our individual rights and freedom. And then when the when the communist dictator takes over, they realise that, you know, they end up, you know, the chewing gum on someone's boot. 
And then they all fled to Australia. uh, Yeah, yeah, and massive snowfall. Um, So the the, the whole um, work from home, yes, there there is people that can be work work from home. And what I think is going to happen is, is I think a lot of these large corporations are going to go, okay, you can work from home, but now you're an independent contractor. Hmm. So what we're going to see is an explosion of the gig economy into um, your in, into office jobs, right? So if you're a data entry person, well, you might work for four different companies hmm. because you'll be forced to to, to make ends meet. Um, that, because it'll be okay if you want to work from home, we're going to call you a contractor. You're going to have to get all the you know be, become a contractor. To get around then PSI rules, you're going to have to work for more than one company, so you don't have eighty percent of the income coming from one. So, you know they're going to go oh fuck right, um, and the companies are going to go no no no, but that's what you wanted. You wanted to do the ability to work from home. You wanted the ability and the freedom to do whatever you want. That's how you get it. Hmm. Right. It's really interesting because what you're saying. Yeah, sorry. Uh, there was an article in the Australian, I think it was last week, was saying that the amount of people that are striving for leadership positions is because everyone wants to work from home. They don't want to be leaders in their industries anymore. So that really marries up with what, I hate to say it, the Australian and the mainstream media has actually got something right for once. Yeah. So, and, um, and the demographers are picking on this. They're, 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 they're saying this is what's going to happen. Um, hmm. The... The, the millennials, which are going to be the, the driving the largest force of the Australian population soon, because mind you, um, it's not just millennials that, that are born here. Pretty much everyone that we're importing mm. is a millennial. Students that stay, which is I think it's one in six students that, that come to this country stay, they're millennials. They're at uni, right? So And, and they're, they're joining the workforce. Um uh, the majority of, of everyone else that comes in that meets the test are all under 30. Right. So, so we get, we've got this thing of they're going to be the biggest and they're going to get what they want. Uh, corporations will fight back. They just don't know how yet. Um, mm-hmm. The major corporations are, are trying not to look bad and, and are trying to, to get themselves together with it. Um, but that's leading to a whole heap of... Um, uh, uh, what are, um, push and pull factors inside because the other thing that businesses are losing is all the transfer knowledge. So um, accountancy firms, law firms especially, if you're not working in the office and sitting around the desk when deals are being done or, or when you know uh, decisions are being made on projects and that sort of stuff, uh, you know, there's, there's no absorption of knowledge, that osmosis of knowledge you get from being part of a team. You can't get that on Zoom. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk had a very, uh, Gary V had a very interesting thing on this where he said um, in one of his companies, I can't remember which one it is, basically he makes everyone turn Zoom on when they turn up to work and it stays on all day. So that they, yeah, so that people can just go, hey, Bob, you know, what's this, blah, 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 and they can get, you know, get that office thing going um, while they're, 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 they're um, you know, while they're doing this remote work from home. 
still doesn't have the same osmosis effect as being in the room because there could be stuff written down that you're not seeing being written down or notes being taken or, um, you know, stuff that happens on the sidelines that, that's outside of the, the view. Um, and that is, um, that, that's, a, that's going to be an interesting thing. And then that's going to be a very, very big problem in the future for companies and employees because you're just not going to have that extra knowledge. Yep. Um, talking about the problems that a lot of businesses are going to have, uh, the other one here is the universal basic income. Um, there's a lot of talk about it, the universal basic income. So I'm not sure if the people actually in the chat who are with us today actually know what it is. So did you want to just quickly give them a quick breakdown and actually see how what's going on in that space at the moment, especially with the Greens? Yeah, so the universal a universal basic income, uh, for those that, that don't understand, it's basically the dole for everyone. Right, so everyone gets the minimum wage, mm. so you don't have to work. You just you just get given, given you know money to live, um, whether you're at university, wherever you, wherever you are. So it, it pretty much it's um, it's a great driver of um, disenfranchisation of people. It's a massive driver of um, uh, envy. Uh, between people because people that, that want to get ahead can still get ahead, right? Um, <clears throat> but they're, they're going to then have all these other people um, floating around. And then when you get ahead, you're going to be looking back at all these people going, well, why am I paying all this tax to, to pay for them? So then you become mobile and, and you move and, and, and all the rest of it. And we're seeing that happen now where say cities in the US like San Francisco and, uh, and LA and Sacramento, uh, New York, where these sort of things are coming in, um, are driving all the talent and, and driving all those that have ambition to places like, like Texas, Dallas and Houston, Miami, um, Tampa, so, and so forth, uh, so where, where, um, where those things are. So, that's basically what a, a universal basic is. Now, the Greens are pushing for one here in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a lot of talk about this coming out of the, uh, the tw Twitter artsy world and a lot of talk coming out of these think tanks, the billionaire bat think tanks. Now, the reason I think a lot of the billionaire guys would be pushing this is it creates a cheap workforce. So what happens is, is um, think of work for the dole, but on a mass scale. So what happens is, yeah, yeah, they, they lure you in with the universal basic income. Then a couple of years down the track, they say, every Thursday, you're gonna have to go and pick vegetables. Or every Tuesday, you're going to have to go and mow a lawn somewhere. So what they'll do is to so they'll get you addicted to the universal basic income. Then they'll start putting little measures on it, going, oh no, no, you're gonna have to go do this, or you're gonna have to go do this to keep it, or we're gonna to reduce it. Right. And and it, it'll be the reduction will be enough that you go, Jesus, those couple of hours, I'm just gonna to have to go do it. Um, and and that's that's what'll happen and become a compliant long-term workforce and that's why i think a lot of the billionaire industrialists um are really starting to get behind it and talk about it uh, and it um um yeah it, it will create um a nice little little cheap workforce for 
um, for, you know, fashion industry, for instance. Yeah. Great comment from Susan here. Uh, sounds a lot like slavery, slavery regime, uh, New World Order. So very, very interesting. Um, well, talking slavery's about never gone away. So slavery's never gone away. Hmm. Economic right. slavery, minimum wage. You, you, yeah, you, you now just get, that's why you got a job. You, you now get um, you now get paid to be a slave, and the slave owners don't have to pay for your health, your uh, yep. living expenses, and all that sort of stuff. You got to deal with that as well, on top of everything else. Yep. So, no, yep. the slavery never got abolished. It was always there. They just try to jazz it up as minimum minimum wage. Minimum so, I know you're very very time wise i'm just keeping an eye on the time so we don't have you for much longer so one of everyone's favorite part is actually on the global side of things so it was a good little segue susan so thank you for that uh going into the global economy now trump watch so just a reminder trump jr will be in in australia not wa unfortunately uh so he is here for a tour um but his dad donald trump has been indicted again again Again, um, so this is this is indictment number two. Um, well, three. In, in, uh, no, he got no ones while he was in power as well, didn't he? No, we'll see. There, there's there's the federal indictments and the state indictments, and then there's the um, the civil suits that he's that he's involved in. So there's about fifteen things all up that he's um, that that um, that's all part. And mind you. They've all been launched by Democrats, so that it's absolute politicization. And the problem with this is now, as soon as the de the Democrats get out of power and the Republicans get in, all the we'll have all the Democrats getting indicted and going to jail. Um, that the best thing that Biden that could happen to Biden is he dies in office, because they will the Republicans will drag him and his family through about forty different court cases once they get into power. Right, it's it's just going to be on for young and old, and you can already see the positioning of of a lot of these Republican DAs and all that sort of stuff waiting for them to, you know, to especially if Trump gets in uh, in the in the White House. So, so Trump has been indicted officially for the second time. There is the third one will come out. I think that'll come out from the January sixth stuff. Um, there's another couple of lawsuits that are going to be on the back of this. But anyway. Um, He's got 37 counts. Uh, they're trying to do it under the Espionage Act, um, which is just ridiculous. Um, and the, all the media footage, I love how they frame the media footage, is they're, they're taking photos of all these boxes, right, that he supposedly done. And the FBI has already said that most of the photos out there showing the boxes, none of that is actually part of the evidence trial. Right, um, it, and it's just this these, it's just bullshit that that people are putting out there. You know, some of it's his personal, you know, tax filings and all that sort of stuff that the FBI just took photos of when they did the raids, and they're the ones that have been leaked because they're massive stacks of boxes that makes you think, oh, he took all this stuff, but really he didn't. You know, he took about three thousand documents, but when you have a look at what they what what they what they're showing it looks like he's taken 30 million dollars you know mm. um that's just just how they're doing it 
Um, so just think, to put that into perspective, I think it's really important because we actually run a printing company. This is about two and a half thousand pages. Yes. So that puts it into perspective. He's probably got two of those boxes full of documents, but then they're showing whole hallways full of documentation. One of the great things about running a printing business from home, you have access to all these sort of documents. So yeah, uh, I think the whole thing is an absolute joke. And I really hope that the Hillary, something uh, Hillary and um, Bill Clinton get caught up in it as well, because I think personally, if you're a criminal, you should be held accountable. So, yeah, it, it used to be that if you're a politician, you don't put another politician in jail. That's how we held a civil society um, for many years, and we don't fall into a banana republic. As mm. soon as you start weaponizing the judiciary, um, doesn't matter who does it, as soon as you start weaponizing the judiciary, that's why ICACs are bad, by the way, mm. right? And here in Australia, we are very, very good at taking people to, to ICACs, IBACs, or whatever you want to call it, and smearing their name when there's never, ever anything there. Because all they've got to do is get the headline in the paper for three or four days running, and then it just disappears because it takes so long to clear people out of these things. But the damage is already done with the headline. Hmm. Right? And I think um, uh, in New South Wales... The, the only people that have ever been convicted from ICACs are actually Labor. Oh, no, there was one, one, um, one um, Nationals guy. So, uh, and I think it's, it's something like eight to one um, that, you know, the Labor guys actually do get convicted of stuff versus the other way. But the amount of people that have actually been... Um, uh, through the system, it's like eight, eight, eight to one the other way, mm. right? Yeah, so it, it's just an absolutely ridiculous. And that's why we don't want to politicise judiciary and you never want to politicise judiciary. You want a fair ju ju judiciary uh, or otherwise you start, you know, basically America's destroying itself over this one simple issue, regardless of anything else. This one thing alone will destroy the entire... In, in in the American system. Do you see any way to for that? Have they gone past the point of no return? Like, is there a oh, way? Oh, yeah, they, they, the point of no return for them was like the 2008 election. Okay. It, it's well and truly over and gone. So. It's, it's really interesting because you're talking about how the Democrats keep attacking Trump over and over and over again. But you have a look at his fundraising figures and it seems that he's raising money hand over fist to run campaigns now. So every time he every time he gets indictment, um, so and it's happened both times now. It's happened the day that he gets indicted, he may it raises four to five million bucks, mm. and increases by one or two percentage points. So the last I saw is at like sixty three percent now in the GOP primaries. No one has ever at this stage of a primary been at that level. Normally, the highest you sort of get is thirty. The only other politician I've seen with that sort of approval rating was Mark McGowan during COVID or Castro when he had the tanks behind him telling people how to vote. So yeah, that, that's a but, huge effort. But but this is this is for a primary. This is not someone who's in power. This is this is this is pre-posturing, you know, to be the candidate. And it's just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, I think the Let's Go Brandon campaign really helped him out as well. 
Um, so, <laughs> so the major cities are on Doom Loop due to work from home. New York is mm. one such thing. What's Doom Loop? Like, I've got this note here. I'm thinking, Doom Loop, is that a typo? <laughs> no, no, no. So um, it's what um, demographers are calling the, uh, it's a Doom Loop inside the city. So following on from work from home about what we're saying, you know, the work from home is destroying our, our inner city. So what happens is, is say 50% of the workforce works from home, they come in mm-hmm. one or two days a week. There's not enough mass now in a lot of these buildings to then support the restaurants, the shoe cleaners, the little stores, the newspaper stands, the flowers, you know, and all the ongoing businesses that are there to support the community. So what happens is these guys go, well, I don't have the business, so I'll shut down my restaurant and move it to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a boarded-up shop. Then, then because that business is shut down, all the side businesses decide to lose their business, so they all become shut down. New York, this is what happened in New York in 1971, uh, 72, uh, before Trump got hold of the Commodore Tower in 77 and with Giuliani and a few other guys in, in the 80s, turned New York around. We've come full back cycle and they're calling it a doom loop because what happens is, and they believe that New York, especially New York, San Francisco is very close behind. Um, Chicago is surprisingly okay because it's a very cheap city to live. But um, Pittsburgh, Detroit, um, Boston, there's a few others around as well that are all falling in. I think Cincinnati was another one that are all falling into these, these doom loops where because everyone's staying working from home, um, businesses are shutting down, moving, the city's reorganising. And what happens then is, well, the wealthy that live right downtown go, well, we don't have the atmosphere that we used to live, so now we're going to go live somewhere else. So in, in New York, they're finding is people are, are staying in Connecticut where they used to commute. Now they're, they're staying in, in Connecticut or, or wherever, Washington, Maryland. Um, and the offices are actually moving to those, those locations. So, you know, the stockbrokers and all that sort of stuff, they had their offices in New York where they're going, well, most of our employees are in, in Virginia, so we're going to put the office in Virginia now. Um, and and the, it's sprouting little communities based off those businesses. Because some of these businesses are two and three thousand people. It's really interesting because I remember Warren talking about that happening on the government side of things, where all the major governments will start fracturing and separating, and will end up with all these little communities working amongst themselves. So it's no no wonder that major businesses are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, and just to put that into perspective for the people here in WA, just go have a look through Subiaco or Northbridge on the weekend where it used to be a vibrant community, especially the nightlife. All these little shops have shut down so and it's just flowing through now. Like Half the pubs in Northbridge now have actually shut down as well. So it's not just major cities this is happening. It's smaller cities like Perth as well that's also happening, which I, f- I found really, really quite fascinating. So And, and, it, and it's going to worse with a Perth than it would at Brisbane, where, where mm. Brisbane had more villages as it was, um, it, it, uh, where Perth d- didn't really. It, it had a downtown uh, area. Uh, Adelaide is the same. Melbourne's feeling it really bad. Melbourne, downtown Melbourne, you, you talk to people down there and, you know, half the city's still not back. So, 
Yeah, and and it's noticeable. When I was down there last, you could really tell that mm. um, there was no cohesion in in the, in the city. You know, you get on the tram at nine nine o'clock in the morning, and there'd be three people on it. Mm. So it one of the like questions that. from a political point of view: What can you see being done to actually reverse some of these things? Because we need functioning capital cities. We need functioning major commercial hubs. If everyone's going to the suburbs. First of all, I can see urban sprawl getting out of control. A lot of the current problems that are associated with urban sprawl will go into these outer suburbs as well. What can we do to start bringing things like business back to the CBDs, especially white-collar businesses? Uh, and, and this is where the state governments are going to have to get control of their, their Nimbian um, stuff and um, because it's it's not just – it's the NIMBYs in the cities as well as the NIMBYs outside. Corporations are going to have to stand up um, and actually go, well – you know, if you're going to work from home, you're going to have to become a contractor. I'll, I'll guarantee 80% of everyone will return to the office tomorrow if, if they were forced to go that way. Um, so it's, it's, it's really out of the hands of, of politicians because politicians have, have done this themselves, mm -hmm. right, and no one trusts politicians to get us out. It's pretty much the communities themselves are going to have to sort it out, Um and, and actually bring values back that, that underpin this. So watch this space because it's going to be fluid. Um, and, and you're right, we do need functioning um, major cities uh, if we're going to have um, a strong economy uh, and that sort of stuff. But it also goes back to the makeup of our, of our economy. Um, if you took, uh, so, so mining and agriculture, employ about 400,000, 450,000 people out of the entire workforce. The workforce is about 13 and a half million people. So if you look at that and say, okay, you know, 500,000 people were involved in, in uh, uh, mining, directly involved in mining and, and agriculture, it's probably mm -hmm. another 2 million in associated industries. So that's 2.5 million. That still leaves 10 million um, that are in service-based industries in, in all the other stuff. So in um, uh, public service, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, in uh, education, in hospitals, in, in medicine, in the professional services, which are our biggest employers. And so, um, yeah. So they're, they're, they're the industry. That the white-collar industries have got to stand up and, and do it because the blue-collar industries, well, everyone's got to go back to work. You, you can't weld a widget at home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so just for the people though, who are listening on the Zoom, if you do have any questions for Stephen, now's the best chance to get it in there. Um, I have gone through some of the comments in the chats that are coming through, so make sure you put your questions in as well. Uh, Frank, Silman, uh, this is in regards to the uh, universal basic income. Similar to the age pension being means and assets tested makes me wonder why the hell did I work hard and pay taxes only to lose out and be penalised for having saved for retirement. Um, the other one I want to add to that one as well, especially about the universal basic income, I, I find it's something that they're trying to do. Um, so let's say you've got uh, one group of people that really want to excel at what they do. They work hard. They do the 60, 70 hours a week and they're succeeding. They're smart with their money. And then you see their, their wealth starts to increase above everyone else. I find with the universal basic income, as they start to get up and start being successful and being smart with their money, the tax rate to bring everyone else up is absolutely going to smash all their hard work. So do you think it will get to a point where 
people go, you know what? I'm going to get paid whether I work or not. I'm in a minimum wage job anyway. Suffer. I'm not working. So you find that the, the initial loss of labour is going to massively outweigh the cheap labour later on. Oh, it will do. It will do. And, and then you'll, you'll have the force loop coming back to get them back into the, to the workforce and, and into that. The other problem Australia's got is if we do not increase, you know, and this is, this is the, the, um, uh, the anti-side of immigration, I suppose, um, in a way, if we don't increase um, immigration, we don't have a workforce. We've got a massively aging population that's aging really quickly. Right? That and, and we're not alone. Germany, France, you name it, everyone is in the same boat. Um, that we're, we're going to have serious problems, serious problems uh, with a workforce shortly. Uh, um, the other thing that a lot of people don't take into account, a lot of the kids coming through university um, are thinking that they're special, that they need to go straight to the top was a job. Uh, they don't understand you have to work from the bottom and go up, even if you are university qualified. So not only are we lo losing the hardworking uh, Gen Xs, but we're also going to be getting a whole new generation of people. They're like, no, that job's beneath me. I'm not doing it. So it, it's yeah. a double-edged sword on that one. So, so uh, one, we, of the, one of the really interesting things I'll just bring up on that, um, this could be my interesting topic for the day, is that a lot of the big, big investment firms, the Black Rocks of the world, the, the Vanguards and Fidelity and, and that sort of stuff, what they're doing is they're not taking graduates anymore. Hmm. Right? So it, it, the graduates, they take the economists, the, 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 the mathematicians and all that sort of stuff, they go into their analytics division and all that sort of stuff. But if you're going to work on the trading floor, they're, they're going back to old school used car salesmen, um, you know, slightly older, um, being knocked around. Um, one of one of the one of the um, one of the lines I can't remember which. I think it's I think it's out of the Wolf of Wall Street, where it's you know bring them to me, young, dumb, and and um, and full of energy, and I'll turn them into a millionaire. That's returning to the financial markets. So a hedge fund guy that um, that I know uh, runs his hedge fund near the Bahamas. Um, he hates hiring graduates, he said, because they, they've got this entitlement thing associated with them. So he just doesn't. He, he, he wants people that have learnt trading or learnt whatever skill it is that he requires the hard way, have been battered and bruised, have been bankrupt, have done all that stuff um, that scars you to make it harder um, for you to go back on that again because you've, you've got that edge. Um, and, and that's part of his, his trading edge is having these people that, you know, that, uh, that are hardened and, and tough and out there. So. Okay. And we've got another comment here from Katrin, I think it is, maybe Katrina. Uh, on my screen, it cuts it off a little bit short, so I apologise if I got butchered your name. Uh, as to destroying attraction of service in police or armed forces, you could see it as a globalist influence via Twitter, big tech, wokeness, owner, press, etc., to deliberately remove the effects, uh, effective force of army and police so that there is no force to resist uh, complete takeover if strings are being pulled from anywhere else. And well, uh, and it's when becomes obvious to the larger percentage of the population. So that's uh, looks like it's from Robert. 
Uh, so I just, um, like the one, the one thing is everyone's got to get out of the head that someone's pulling the strings. Mm. That's not happening anymore. That finished 25 years ago, right? The, the people that think that, that there is you know, four or five people sitting around pulling the strings, forget it. Doesn't happen. Where we are now in the cycle is groupthink. There is enough people in the pop population, especially in decision-making positions, academia, political places, banking, um, uh, uh, politics, uh, industrial, you know, in all the big things now that, that have been, that have had their minds woven through the education system. The strings were pulled back in the, in the 60s and 70s. Those guys are dead, but their ideals live on. There is no one pulling the strings anymore. There is no one um, sitting there guiding this. It's, it's all group think stuff now. When, and you can see it by the WEF, right? When they had that big Davos thing, it is a massive group think, think tank. There's no one person pulling the strings. It's a group of people who, who are all thinking the same way and don't want to get out of line with that thinking, right? So there is, so get that out of your head right now. Um, it's the same as if you're worried about directors' IDs and ID cards and all that sort of stuff. The, the time to have that fight was back in the 80s, right? It's not now. The tra that train has left the station, right? Move on. Um, and and that's, that's what a lot of this stuff that's been put out there in, in, in the media uh, all being put out there in the, the underground websites is purely and simply um, to keep that groupthink going. But groupthink on both sides. Groupthink on those that want to do it and the groupthink on those that are against it, right? So what we want is a group in between that are seeing the, the bit. That's how we take back society. That's how we take back the world and everything is we've got to come back into the middle We've got to come back to the fair moral values that underpin our societies, right? And have done since the birth of 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 the the planet, basically. Um, that that we um, we we get that. So the fringes on both sides, you're never gonna you're never gonna bring them back in. So. Okay, no worries. We've only got a couple of minutes left over before you've got to run. So any final last words of wisdom or interesting facts that you want to add to this room as well, Steve? No, I, I think that's about it for tonight. Um, what, what, what I really, really look at, um, 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 what, what, what do you call um, uh, my, my head's just gone um anyway I, i'm not the only one that it happens so i don't feel so bad now <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm thinking about the next session so yeah now all good so for the people who don't know we do have the um the uh, global wealth mastery program i think that's the name of it yeah GWM. Yeah. yeah yeah uh so that i'm actually really looking forward to that one so looking forward to some of the updates and some of the deals we're doing in there so if you go if the people listening in now want to learn more about that please make sure you email support at globalwealthclub.com and they'll be able to put you in contact send you the details um but other than that steve we're 
right on time for wrapping up on things. So I'm going to call it a day here. Uh, and Grace, if you're still on there, thanks very much for everyone who tuned in today. And if you do have any other information, like I said, that email address is support at globalwealthclub.com, uh, just.com. And you can also get more information on the website, globalwealthclub.com. 